Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of Break the Cycle with me, your host, Joshua Smith. I hope everyone is having a uh, wonderful Tuesday night. Yeah, it's Tuesday. I get Doing five shows a week has got me just all kinds of mixed up. I really can't tell what day it is half the time anymore, Uh, but we've got a great show for you guys today, definitely, but let's check out some sponsors. Of course, we have Coffee for all your delicious Italian coffee needs delivered directly to your door. Bring the taste of Italy home. Use BTC at checkout for a 10% discount. And of course, my friend, my partner on the show, the coolest guy live, toplobster.com, the man that draws everything for the show. The show wouldn't be half of what it is without Mr. Top Lobster. You can get this great Tower Gang shirt I'm wearing tonight. Shout out to Tower Power Hour Podcast. If you haven't checked those guys out, check them out. I've been on the show. It's amazing. Uh, but check out toplobster.com. You can also get a 10% discount by uh, using BTC at checkout, or you can join the Patreon, subscribe star, or become a YouTube channel member and uh, get into our private Discord server where he drops new designs up to two weeks early uh, before they go to the general population. You get them at like a 30% discount. It's huge. Deep discount. And of course, executive producers of the show, anthemplanning.com for all your emergency and crisis planning needs not delivered directly to your door. Uh, these people are doing a wonderful job. Find out what you they can do today for your business, your home, or your personal life. They're doing a job that the government sucks at much more efficiently and much cheaper. Guys, like I said, we got an awesome show for you tonight. I told you we we're going to start this week off with two hilarious comedians. Last night we had Robbie the Fire Bernstein. It was amazing. He had my, my, my stomach hurt all day today from laughing. Uh, but tonight we have com- stand-up comedian, uh, host of the Chrissy Meyer, Meyer podcast and the Wet Spot on Compound Media. She is Mrs. Mrs.? Is it Mrs.? Miss? I don't, I don't know. I always mess that up. Chrissy Meyer, how you doing? <laughs> I guess I'm a Miz and it's Mayor, but like these are just small details. Do I always Whatever. do? Do I always do? Do I always do the last name wrong on you? Is that what I? It's okay. Mayor, <laughs> right? Told you in advance. Mayor, Mayor. Yeah, yeah, like John Mayor. I just always pronounce that one wrong. I got a, uh, I got uh, Eric Matheny's name last name wrong too, and I'd heard him say it a million times, and then uh, I still said Matheny. I'm like, God, seriously? Uh, it's okay. I should have told you. I should have like written it out phonetically. That's my bad. I, you're not the first name I messed up, I promise. I, you probably won't and be the last. And it won't be the unfortunately, last. Unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately. So so let's have a little talk. I, I, I checked out a bunch of your stuff. Uh, I think, I don't know if it was your producer or something that hit me up several weeks ago and asked me if you know I would have you on the show. And I was like, absolutely. She, you know, she's hilarious. I would love to have her on the show. But how, I mean, how did you become a comedian? I mean, what, what, was, what was it that drew you to comedy? It was never a plan. Like, uh, I thought, like I was a, I was a funny kid. Um, I, I was the youngest of three and you know, when you're the, there is some statistic that youngest children tend to be comedians and I don't understand why that is. It might be because like when you're the youngest, like you, you just have a lot of time observing, uh, like your siblings and it just, your parents tend to like care even less about you. I don't know. I always think that like funny people either come from abuse or struggle or like going without. So, um, you know, I was like, uh, I was, yeah, I was a funny kid. I, and I think what's behind that is I was just trying to get like love and attention and affection from my parents. Like, I just don't think I was getting those things. So, uh, and then I also learned kind of like early on, like that was a, a strength. Like I, I could, I could make my mom laugh if her and my dad just had a big fight or I could make like my sister laugh if she had like, was feeling like a low self-esteem day. Um, and even when I was in church, 
I, I would like they'd have these prayer slips and they'd pass them around and you're supposed to say like, oh, pray for Henry. He's getting hip surgery this week. And you pass it up. But I would draw pictures of like the pastor jumping off the roof of the church. And then I would try to like pass that up. And then my grandma would be like, no, but she would save them and be like, I love your little drawings. Um, like early on, like in the whatever church play, even before I was old enough to be on it, I would jump on with like my like paper bag puppet. I would be like, this is Danny the donkey. And then they'd get the, someone had to like come out from the back and like grab me by the neck and get me off stage or whatever. So I think from a young age, I liked the spotlight and I liked making people laugh. Um, but yeah, like normal, like was not even voted class clown, which I'm still upset about. Uh, I was voted most spirited, which maybe would be an indication that I would end up enjoying the drink. <laughs> I would say I'm definitely a, a spirited adult. Um, I wanted to be a reporter. So I went to college, uh, was going to be a communication major. I was, uh, you know, interned at Dateline at NBC, thought like, this is it. I'm going to move to like in Alaska. I'm going to move out to like uh, Montana and work my way back to a relevant market. But during this Dateline NBC internship, I was like, oh, this is so boring. Like news people like this is, this is just so dull. And the amount of time I'm going to have to spend like kind of in horrible places to, to just like be able to maybe move back to New York. I wasn't willing to do that. And uh, so while I was in college for my, for my next year, for my senior year, which I'll give myself credit for because I was like not a great student. I was like a B plus student or whatever. Um, but I reached out that, to the only female. Is that a bad student? Is that not a great student? I, I guess <laughs> my brother and sister were like A, A plus. So I, I just felt like like I was the dumb one, but really like I might have been decent. Um, like I was into more like art and sports and stuff more so. But like I liked, I don't know, environmental systems Definitely, I stood. Away, I like stayed away from like the hard sciences and math for sure, and I liked art. Um, but then, said you know, was able to get myself an internship at Late Night with Conan for my senior year for an internship, and I think I really lucked out because during the summer it's almost impossible to get one of these internships because all the sons and daughters of the executives that work in NBC they all get first crack at it, but. Um, when you're doing an internship, like during the school semester, you're kind of limited to like who goes to a school, like basically within a certain radius of, of New York city. So I just got really lucky and uh, got this internship at Conan and hung out with the writers. And I was like, Oh, this environment feels more me. These feel like my people. I really love people are always like, how was Conan? How was Conan? And I was like, eh, I don't know. He didn't really like, I wasn't like a huge Conan fan. I just, I just liked the comedy environment who really impressed me were the writers. I love talking to like Jose Arroyo and Brian Stack and you'd see them do like bit parts and you'd see their ideas get onto the show. I'd be like, Oh, that's cool. Um, I just wasn't this huge Conan nerd. Uh, I would be like, yeah, he likes vanilla Stonyfield Farms yogurt, and we got to always have it around for him. Like, he likes bubble-flavored bubble gum. We always have to have it out for him. Like, he sometimes forgets his credit card at restaurants, and then they send me to go pick it up. Like, these are the tasks you get as intern, you know? Um, so the the writers were like, if you're really interested in comedy, like, you should do improv. So I did a little bit of improv at my college, but ultimately didn't really fit in because I don't know if every college is like this, but the, like the theater director was in charge of the improv folks. And she, they were, she was kind of cunty and she was kind of like cultish. Like if you weren't a theater major, you didn't really fit in. And I was a, I was an athlete. I was a 
diver, a springboard diver. And she was like, oh, I don't really think you can commit because you're a swimmer. I was like, first of all, not a swimmer. There can are barely so swim. many cunty thespians. The cuntiest thespian. <laughs> the cuntiest thespian I've ever encountered. I forget her name. But again, like just a big, overweight, cunty lady. She's exactly who you're all picturing. This, that was exactly this woman. And I was kind of upset. I was like, man, like I thought I was funny. I thought I could hang. But I was kind of ousted after a semester because I wasn't like, you know, with the click, I wasn't a gay man. So <laughs> I didn't, I didn't like stay there too long. But when I graduated college, I went to UCB and uh, I was living at home, did this for like a good five years, lived at home, would do, work whatever day job. And then at like seven o'clock, go to an improv class, three hour long improv class, did that for five years, did all the classes at UCB, did a team, did all the classes at the Magnet Theater, did a team. And this is the only way I've been able people complain about like, oh, there's not enough diversity in in improv or whatever. And they'd have like eventually years later they would develop like special scholarships um for folks. But like, yeah, there's no way I could have done this if I wasn't living at home because these classes really add up and like borderline a waste of money. <laughs> like um, yes, I have. I learned a lot. Like, I have, there's a lot of transferable skills in, from improv to say do, doing crowd work and stand up. But I think I was kind of hanging in there because maybe I thought I would get uh, picked for like an SNL. Like, you're there because it's like a breeding ground, you know. Like, especially UCB, people are there, you know, doing whatever it takes, hooking up with the teachers if they think it'll help them, like get picked for a team or get. There's a lot of that. There's a lot of that. I was like. I just, none of the teachers were good looking enough for me. So, <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So, uh, did, and then did a one woman show after all this improv and then stand up, you know, even for many years, the idea of it was very intimidating to me. But after I did this one woman show, I was like, okay, I just did an hour on stage. I did like five ish characters. I'm like, I think I could do stand up. Um, so I tried it and, uh, I think maybe the summer before I did like a stand up class. Um, and that seemed that seemed a little weird, but it's like, OK, you're, if you're it's an intimidating thing to start doing. So this, the class sort of like helps you put a toe in. And there's really no way to do stand up other than just like jumping in the pool right. and being like, all right, I'm going to commit to doing a few a few mics a week. And just you can't stop. It's like it's like bodybuilding. It's I don't like I don't really... think everybody understands like just how intimidating doing stand up really is you know it's i've done a couple open mics it was something that i wanted to do i'm i've lost a couple rooms let's just put it that way and uh <laughs> and uh it's it's terrifying i played i played music for years and i you know played on all kinds of stages and it's like you got a whole band to back you up you got the music you got the crowd going nuts it's easy you know what i mean it's not it's not easy but it's not as hard as being up there by yourself everyone staring at you and then you have to make them laugh Oh, yeah. With improv, you can be like, you can blame it on your scene partner. You'd be like, this fucking guy didn't yes and me. But when it's stand up and something bombs, you take the whole fall. But if you crush on stage, you get all of that good feeling. You know, you don't have to be like, oh, it was a team effort. <laughs> and I got so frustrated with improv. Just you got to pay for a room. To, you got to rent out a room to practice in. You got to pay for a coach to fucking watch your dumb scenes and give feedback. And then still, you might not like half the people on your team. They might be showing up late or whatever. So I liked the uh, independence-like factor of stand-up. You can get in a lot more sets, probably for cheaper. You know, there were there's a lot of free mics out there. 
And even if I had to spend like, you know, buy a drink or whatever, it's just what you do. And it's a huge, not only is it scary, it's like intimidating to get on stage, but it's a huge sacrifice. Like, and there's, there's only one way to know if you're going to make it. You have to fully commit. And that's really scary because, like, I even remember my mom would say to me, like, over the years doing comedy, she'd be like, Christy, you're wasting your best dating years doing comedy. She was totally right, you know? Like, thank God it, like, is sort of paying off. Um, and that also answers the question of why you don't see as many females, as many women, like, doing stand-up versus men because it's like – I started stand up at 26. Like that's probably when I should have been looking for like a lawyer or a doctor to like settle down with. But I was stupid and I was like, I want to be funny on stage. So yeah, I'm glad I followed that feeling, but that's why most women are like, that's, I remember all these day jobs I'd be working at. Like one was this hedge fund and the girls, I think I was like, it was pre stand up, but during improv, I was like probably 23, 24. And these girls would be like, Oh, what are we doing after work? Like, Oh, we're going to the husband store. And that's what they would refer to, like this one bar. I don't know if it's Del Frisco's or a bar or steakhouse, but that's where you have to go to meet the kind of guy, you know what I mean? Whatever. So I just was like, That never sounded appealing to me. But yeah, you have to be willing to just kind of throw out the idea of leisurely travel of like, you know, like brunch, you have to give up kind of like hanging out with friends. It really needs to be like your number one commitment. And you kind of have to be willing to sink 10 years into it. You know, like you can, yeah, sure. You might break there. There's Michael Che who got picked up after two years of doing stand up. He got on SNL doing weekend update. Great. There's always like people who kind of poke through, but on average, right, it's 10 years to sort of and, – and that's why uh, something clicked. I don't know at what point or what year, but something clicked where, like, the funniest, best version of myself with my friends and, you know, myself and not really trying so hard became who I was on stage. And that's how you know, okay, like, you found your brand or your voice or whatever. And at that point, like – parts of it feel easy. Like I'll, I'll still get nervous on stage. I'll still get like anxious before a big show. Um, but you, you're less anxious in terms of like, you just have this baseline, I guess, confidence. Like, you know, you have a good, like word bank of jokes that work that you've been doing, you know, over 10 years or so. So you're not gonna get to the point where you get up there and you have nothing to say. Um, Oh, yeah. Sure, sure. Uh, they're they're already playing this game in the chat. I say sure, sure a lot. It's like my thing. Everybody knows it. Uh, and so now they're taking shots every time I say it. And I, f- I feel like I feel like I'm probably going to lose some of my my watchers tonight. They're probably either going to pass, pass out or die uh, because I say sure, sure too much. They also said they're going to finish the bottle if I mention living in Iowa. So that's exciting. Uh, oh, you live in Iowa? I do. Yeah, yeah. What's that like? <laughs> the, la- the land of corn and ranch dressing. It's really fun. Uh, you know, if you, if you enjoy corn and ranch dressing and, uh, horrendous winters, it's a great place to live, you know? Um, I, I constantly am reminded now that I live here, uh, I'm constantly reminded of, uh, uh, Daniel Tosh joke where he's like, (laughs) he's like, uh, California, I gotta live somewhere, you know, I, I enjoy the seasons too much. And he's like, he's like, yeah, that's why I live in a place that skips the shitty ones. And that's, that's literally where I live in the place that doesn't skip the shitty ones. We get like negative 40 degree weather and it's pretty horrible, but everyone's taking shots. Anyways, uh, almighty beach. Thanks for the shout. Uh, the, the super chat, $5 super chat. He said, does crowd control include dodging pizzas? I don't don't... Oh, like crowd work. Um, I guess so. Yeah. Being able to like anticipate, uh, like trouble, you know, like if someone's heckling you, how to handle a heckler, 
it has been like a good lesson to learn over the years. Mostly hecklers want is attention. So, you know, I'll like just pay it. Like it's, it's a, there's usually like, it's like the drunk girl who, who it's like, she's out. She looks good. It's her birthday. Like, why is not everyone looking at me? You know, um, which you can't really reason with that kind of a heckler. You just kind of have to like, that's the best when someone, when a heckler is so drunk, you can make fun of them to their face and everybody laughs and they're not really getting it. Cause they're like about to black out. That's ideal. Um, luckily for me, I've never had like any, anyone aggressive. Nobody's ever thrown anything at me. Nobody's ever like come on stage. I feel like that sometimes happens to like male comics more. Although one time I was doing a show in Atlantic city for like the beer festival. And, uh, my friend, Amory Castillo, somebody threw, she was a, a Vikings fan. Like she was talking about sports, of course. And, uh, somebody disagreed with her and like threw a sandwich at her head. But we were like, it was a terrible gig. Like we're doing jokes by the urinals, like by the porta potties. Jim Jeffries got like physically assaulted on stage once. So, Oh God. Like, wow. Punched in the face. It was pretty, it was pretty gnarly. So it definitely, it definitely yeah. happens. Uh, and, and you know, you're gonna, you're gonna, that's a, that's another thing. You're not a liberal in a, in a space that's heavily kind of, um, mm -hmm. dominated by liberals. Sure, sure, how, sure, sure. How has no, that been? <laughs> People, and I'm, I'm not saying this like, woe is me. I'm a victim. It's just an observation from like years of, of seeing who gets shit and who doesn't. I really think being a woman makes me an easier target than say like, a right-leaning or a free speech oriented male comic. It's just, it's just, you're so much more um, like bucking the trend, right? Like you're just, you're further away from what's expected of you. Um, I think definitely being like a white chick, like I lived in Brooklyn. I graduated from college, liberal arts degree, uh, like from the Northeast. I was very much a feminist, all the things, you know, I was like, I was, I was like a perfect stand-up comic when I started, but then like, as I grew up, uh, and matured, like my sense of humor kind of like found its place and I found my people really. And just my people happened to be, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> domestic terrorists and, uh, <laughs> all the worst names you can think of. Oh, the alt-right when real, which really like you can get called the alt-right just for like having an American flag in your house, like just for having like uh camouflage cargo shorts like it takes less and less it used to be like oh you voted for trump and now it's like you acknowledge the fourth of july you're a domestic terrorist I, uh, so i take offense to that as somebody who grew up in like the hardcore punk rock music scene we all wore like cut off camo shorts i mean that's what we did and most of those guys well, are like now you're far leftists far oh okay not me not me well, of course i'm painting the picture of like the average like I don't know. I, I kind of like now that uh, that dudes that are not on the left kind of have a look to them. Like I, maybe I just like this look, you know, like any kind of a guy with like a little American flag on the sleeve or any kind of like you can tell it's like it, it's not an affliction shirt, but it's just like any type of shirt with like a, there's a gun on it right away. I'm like, I'm going to like this person or any kind of American flag. Usually it is a camo short, um, usually like tattoos. It's just like, oof, you know, you go to enough of these rallies. You're like, oh, yeah, this guy voted for Trump. It's kinda, <laughs> I think I think I'm going to like this guy, you know, are you uh... It's got a look. Just like leftists have of a course. look, like a sort of bean pole. Like they have, they look like they can't open a pickle jar. Very they androgynous. Like, yeah, they can make a <laughs> sick cappuccino, but they can't make you come. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. It's it's probably you know it's probably true. I I, I don't know. I don't. Really, I my thankfully my fiance is uh, 
not a leftist at all. Um, she's so far right that she hates the libertarians even, which I oh wow. I sit on okay. the Libertarian National Committee, so it's you know it's a little hard in our house sometimes. She's like, why do you oh. why don't you just leave that silly party with all those fucking silly people? And I'm like, because uh, I I believe in them. I don't know. Uh, who cares? Is she more like just a purist or is she like a conservative Christian, like I, she's, conservative, she's right? She's pretty conservative Christian. And and uh, I wasn't super religious when we met. I, I grew up, you know, Catholic and Christian back and forth. Um, and my dad's side of the family has got some Jews in it. And, um, and I fell away from it like after getting out of the military. And then I kind of started finding it a little over a year ago again. And then she just happened to be there and i was like okay well this is good timing i guess i'll start going to church again or whatever you're, you're pretty hot so. <laughs> you yeah. know you know how it is that's great when yeah. you're hot enough to make a guy go to church yeah. that's when you know she made me like, find god yeah you you're know, in good again. shape there yeah absolutely mm -hmm. uh what are what are uh who influenced you the most in comedy i mean who's some of your favorite comics Okay, recently for sure, like Adam Carolla. I opened for him in Appleton, Wisconsin back in May. And uh, like I've always known that I've liked him, but just like heard his stand up for the first time in a, in a long time. And I was like, oh, he just, he really spoke to me. I was like, this guy is inspiring. Like he's a, he and Ricky Gervais are great examples of guys who have like blown up, achieved some level of fame, but they have not sacrificed their values. And even though they, they like have money, they, they're still in touch with like regular people. Whereas you look at Kimmel and you're like, ugh. Um, most of these like, like, yeah, Fallon, Colbert, it's like, oh, they're just like that. There's no risk. They're not, they're not like, they don't stand for anything. They're not funny. It's like, they're all just so playing it safe. Um, it's just like, it's hard to watch. And that's why folks have pulled away from late night for their comedy. And I think Comedy Central and Netflix, like they've kind of pulled away from that because it's, it's more of just like, uh, not that it's not merit based, but like you can tell what the number one reason is for you know why certain people get booked and it's not always skill so. yeah the uh kimmel is just a sad sad man like we like we remember that you came from the man show dude like we know you know yeah I mean? yeah <laughs> like, like we um, we watched it, you uh <laughs> like introduce women in bikinis jumping on on fucking uh, yeah where is that guy yeah that guy's in deep inside you very upset and sad right now like just hor like, like he's, he's completely ruined everything that he was yeah absolutely and and, yeah. and fallon's like he's I'm like oh whatever i like he's a pussy I nice guy but yeah. like i don't know yeah i liked him on i liked him on snl because he just was the one that broke character all day. oh yeah <laughs> He has to like carry the show. It's not like the the weight of the whole like brand wasn't on his shoulders. Um, yeah, the, the stakes are definitely higher when you're like the host of a late night show on a you know you on a major have network to sell your soul to get there. Yeah. I mean, oh to. yeah. There's no doubt about you're it. You're just like a person in a suit. Yeah. Um, Almighty Beach and, in the uh, chat said that Craig Ferguson was probably the last one who didn't have to sell his soul. Oh, right, because nobody were like no one's gonna stay up till like one AM. <laughs> exactly. And if you did, you got a good laugh, you know? That and that was the important yeah. thing. Um also comedians who inspire me, it's like uh, this sounds corny, but like everybody I work with at Compound Media, all the other comics, like we all like I think like push each other to like uh like push the envelope and like and, and like say the tr you know, speak the truth and like our shows are just like off the chain so much funny like that these guys will have me like laughing till my ribs hurt and like they're silly and they're smart and like they're not afraid and it's it's nice it's it's really nice to have like that support 
because um, you need it sometimes when it seems like for me every six months, like I'm getting like canceled or something dumb or like my name is in the news for something. And then everyone likes to jump in and be like, oh, I hate her. I hate Chrissy Bear. Just so everybody knows. Well, like, so so something that you got a lot of uh, I've seen a lot uh, of mentions about was the the in, the big bad insurrection. Right. In, in, mm-hmm. in at the Capitol. I mean, you were you were there, right? Yeah, I was there. Um, I was there in November. I was there in December. I got just really interested in covering these rallies as kind of like an independent journalist. I, I really, you know, when I started doing my podcast uh, January of 2020, I was like, oh, let me see, like, what more I can do. Man on the street, maybe interviews. And I, and I was very curious. Uh, I was like, well, who are these MAGA people? Like, how bad could they be? Uh, like, maybe let's do some man on the street interviews. And it's like, I couldn't find the types of people that the media were describing. I couldn't find any like dumb, toothless hillbillies. But like who I did find was like an extremely diverse uh, group of people, all colors, ages, you know, at these rallies, people bring their families, little kids, dogs, people in funny costumes. There was a woman who like, like covered her whole car and and like plastic buttons. It's just like it's like it's it's like everybody's there. It was a cool crowd. It was like, and everybody who know who was there knows this is that like it was like a loving, cool environment. It felt like I was talking to Nick Searcy the other day about this. It felt like kind of Woodstock, you know, and and the videos and the photos that like the media loves to play over and over again about January sixth. It's like I didn't see any of that. I didn't see any of that until I checked my phone hours later when we were all walking back. Um, the part, the part of the building where I was just people standing around with flags, people climbing up scaffolding, dropping flags, you know, people are climbing up one wall, dropping flags, waving for a good photo. Um, I guess I was on like the, the, the chill side of the building. And of course, like then I get in trouble for calling it chill because that doesn't suit uh, the media's agenda for the saying it's worse than insurrection or you're, yeah. you know, you're going to jail. Oh yeah, it's worse than nine eleven, or you're you're a domestic terrorist, and it's it's just wild. Um, I was blown away by there had to there had to have been like people have said like there one point five million people there uh, on that day. I just was blown away with the love for this country that I felt, and the people who wanted to talk to me were like people from Venezuela and people from Cuba and people who were like, we know what. A, a shitty scary socialist regime looks like and like we see it headed for this country that's why we came here we don't want to live through it again and it's just like most of us haven't had to fight for any rights our whole lives you know our whole 20 30 40 50 years we haven't had to you know to fight for any of our well, freedoms well, and okay. it's it's just <laughs> it's just like it's taking a lot of people oh god and then just like the media has like such a hold on so many people like it's a lot, of, a lot of folks are brainwashed and a lot of people still believe what they're being told and uh, like have, have just either lost that part of themselves that questions authority. Yeah. Hi, kids. Do you like violence? Yeah. Are you sick to death of pussyfooting around the truth while being constantly fed lies by news and big tech tyrants? If so, then come join me, Dan Smots, on The System Is Down, where we get weird, have fun, and dig into all the dangerous taboo topics like conspiracies, politics, religion, culture, current events, and everything your family just prays you don't bring up around the Thanksgiving dinner table. And I know that reality is scary to some people, so if you're easily offended, just ignore this and go back to making cat memes or whatever. But if you're ready to change the world for the better, come join me on The System Is Down at tsidpod.com or wherever you get podcasts. That's tsidpod.com. Because the system is down and truth is taking over.
and January like 6th, lost at that. January six was so traumatizing to to people that uh, they immediately labeled libertarians domestic terrorists and like we weren't even fucking there oh god (laughs) i was like wait a minute wait a minute we weren't even there what's going on this is fucked up because because uh john brennan came on the news and was like all these domestic terrorists you know started naming off pretty much everybody that wasn't like a leftist or a liberal or a democrat and at the end end, he's like and even the libertarians and i'm like what what did i what the fuck did i do (laughs) Uh, and that's the thing is there's tons of democrats there there are a lot of like former lefties there that's the whole walk away movement uh that brandon strock founded like he's like textbook gay and that's why he really like he inspired a lot of people to kind of like move over they weren't like oh we're not going to identify with the right or or even republicans were just like really not impressed with what the left has had to offer like truly just not speaking to their needs and just sort of kissing their ass certain populations get their ass kissed every four years just to get a vote and uh I think a lot of people are just sick of that there's so many lefties like like politically homeless people there yeah, I always say I, that. Like, uh, continue to meet. I always say that the the uh, Black Lives Only Matter to Democrats every four years. That's that's how it works. Mm-hmm. You know, they they didn't even get a call for like the you know racial justice panel that the the um, White House was going to do. They they just completely and once they once they got their their votes, they just cut them off. They're like, all right, thanks a lot. See you in four years. Oh you yeah. Know? It's, they don't matter, and they don't matter uh, like when they're in the womb. They don't matter there either. So. It's just, it's interesting. Oh man, yeah, you're you're uh you're kind of a conundrum when it comes to comedians. There's not, I I feel like I always feel like there's more comedians out there that are, um, you know, either patriots or or conservative or libertarian than than actually speak up. You know, I think a lot of them are have mm-hmm. to stay quiet. I mean, have you been? How have you been treated in in comedy? I mean, in, you know, at, at some of these clubs and stuff, have you always? Has it been? I, I mean, you're not getting pizza thrown at you, which is great, but. Um, I mean, God, I would love, I wouldn't mind if somebody threw some pizza my way, like, especially like, I don't know. Did you see that viral video of like the fight in the, uh, at the Joe's pizzeria in New York city where like a full on brawl. Yeah. And I saw that you posted that and the fight on the airplane. And then all of a sudden you enabled all this racism. Oh my (laughs) God. And, and like, normally I, I do not engage with trolls, but I did with this one because I was like, this person is insisting on seeing this as a racist, a racism thing. And, and I'm like, no, well, I, first of all, I comment on, on viral fight videos on viral videos all the time uh like like that one in the pizza shop all white people the one on the plane happens to be all black people it's not like i am choosing i did not choose the races of the people but it's like yeah if you look at who's getting who most of the viral fight videos on planes are it's mostly a certain group of people and not that there's anything wrong with that but there's like it's okay to like point point out the obvious and it's like we live in a time where like not only can you laugh at what you find funny you can't joke about what you want to joke about but now we can't even point out the fucking obvious uh and and that's why i engage with this troll because i was like you insist on seeing this as a race issue when really i'm just saying like the tweet was like oh if the u.s um or, or, or like if 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 uh, fighting on a plane was an Olympic event, uh, like the USA would definitely sweep, which is a comment on like how our country behaves. It has nothing to do with black people. Like, sure, if you want to take it that step, sure. But like, I specifically didn't like I made it about the country. Like, this is a hot mess uh, behavior that our country is like kind of responsible for. I don't know. This person, like, when a comedian makes a joke and it's like you, it's like if you don't laugh, okay, great. But like, if you you're insisting on on like 
trying to make me look like a bad person and putting an intention there that's not there. It's like, well, then I will fucking They're respond your until. Is what, is what yeah, is. yeah. And I was like, you, you want it. Like, you don't know my intention. You're a fucking stranger. Just like, I don't know your intention. But it looks like your intention is to grandstand and virtue signal. But yeah, a good rule of thumb is just to don't engage with the trolls. Don't feed them. Um, but to answer your question, it's it's actually been like, really good for me because I think anytime you can be true to yourself like your life will always get better and if you are always working on your craft um you know you your life will always get better and and the work will come there's like a small like you know there there's a woke section of the comedy industry that I'm definitely not welcome in but it's not like I, even when I was not like an out <laughs> whatever this is even when I was like kind of a lefty it's like those people weren't snapping me up when I was like singing the song and dancing the dance. So it's like, yeah, you might as well risk losing, I don't know, opportunities to just grow into who you are. Um, yeah, it feels like a risk. Like, okay, I'm, n- I'm never going to bo- get booked on Fallon or Colbert. Uh, and it's and it's fine because I will actively <laughs> take shots at those guys. It's not the, Maybe it's not them personally. It's the show, whatever. Um I'm pr- may or may not ever get something on Comedy Central or Netflix. It's fine. I'm not like a black trans Asian uh, post-op midget, you know, and I know that that is what they're looking for. Like I, it's not a great time to be white. So it, it seems like now it's like, if you want to be a white person in comedy, like unfortunately it's going to have to be merit based because you're, you're not going to get uh, as much of a, you know, a helping hand is if you were maybe another race. So, yeah, which is fine. Just, you can't just it's walk like, in off the street like Jimmy Fallon anymore. No, <laughs> I mean, I used to do karaoke at the same spot as Jimmy Fallon, like back in like 2007 or eight or something. It was like right on 21st street. I think it was called like the saloon or something like that. Like, man, he used to love, he'd go there all the time. And like my boyfriend at the time loved karaoke and I just would sort of tolerate listening to him. Uh, <laughs> no, it's fine. He got hit by a bus. It's that same guy. He's fine now. Um, but yeah, we would, see him do, we would see him do karaoke. He got hit by a bus. Yeah, my one of my ex boyfriends got hit by a bus. He was on his bike. Oh, okay. and uh, he, he survived in New York. But I think it was karma for breaking up with me over Skype. That's why I'm triggered. Even like we have to do this podcast over Skype. I'm like, because he like broke up with me. I got broke up with you over got Skype. Broke up with over. Were you guys long distance or what? We were long distance. Like okay. he, we met in New York, and then he moved to D.C. to pursue wind energy, because um, it was like all the rage in 2008. And then I, like an idiot, kept uh, being like, "Oh, I'm gonna get the dollar bus trip to visit you in D.C." Like I was clearly the person that was showing more enthusiasm for the relationship. He was not as equally excited for like coming to visit me in New York, and I just didn't see the writing on the wall. And uh, yeah, whatever. It's fine. Clearly, I'm over it. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, and he got hit by a bus, so I guess we hit know by a won, bus. Right? And I think it was karma. I think it was fine. Almighty um, Beach asked, "Were you driving the bus, though?" That's the important. No, thing. but if I if I was, I would have hit him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so some of my favorite things that I've watched of you online have been these I- impressions. Right? You did this this wonderful Greta Thunberg. It was hilarious. I was dying. I literally, my I was watching 
my fiance's like, what are you laughing at? And she came over and she saw, who's that? I'm like, it's my guest for on the show tonight, sweetie. Like, I have to, you know, I have to study these people a little bit. At she least. was like, how dare you? Yeah, yeah exactly, exactly. And 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 hopefully, hopefully, you know, since I, I I fucked up your name in the beginning, she won't be so mad at me. She'll be like, oh well, you didn't even really know her name. So, um, but uh. What other impersonations can you do? Is that like is that like something that you do? I guess because you started in improv. I mean, that must be kind of bread and butter, right? Improv is improv is great. Yeah, it teaches you to like loosen up a little bit. Like, um, it helps you with like personifying like animals, ob- objects. You know, like I've even just the other day on wet spot like we we were doing a penis quiz where like we were showing pictures of image like images of penises and i made the guests guess what nationality belong like or ethnicity belonged to each penis and uh, and then at the end of the show i was like all right you know because there's guys on the panel too i'm like sorry for making you guys look at all these dicks like here's some vaginas and it was just like vaginas around the world and then and then it just i found myself like let's do the voice for each one like it's just so silly but uh i feel like improv sort of Got you know. there. Yeah, got me there. Improv taught I, you how to, like, you know, uh, uh, label dicks by their races. Yes. So, yeah, yeah. And, like, yeah. just think outside the box. And and I when I first started going on Compound Media, it was I was doing In Hot Water, and I was, like, doing characters. Um, like, there was this – there would be these reports of these, like, women who would die in clothing donation bins. I was like, this is truly an epidemic. People are not talking about this. And then I just – the wheel started turning and I was like, well, what if I did a character of a woman who managed to live in a, in a clothing donation box and like a Google box and like, what would be, what would be her tricks of the trade? Like what would be her secrets? And I just, a, a character was like created that way. And then, uh, of course, like Greta Thunberg, I was like waiting to see what SNL was going to do. And like, they just really dragged their feet on an impression of her. And when they did ultimately like, what was her name? Kate, um, Fuck. She's so talented. She's the one, she's she, the one, same one that did like Justin Bieber and all, all those people. Yes, too. Yeah, yeah, she she's must amazing. be so stifled on this show because she's really a talent. Uh, and there's probably just so much that's not allowed. But that is what's so great about like an independent content creator. You can get a video out or an impression out like same day. Whereas if you were on SNL or, or like a network, it's got to pass through so many different hands and get so many different OKs. Um, so you're going to you're going to like it's going to be days and days later. So I've found that I'm like very inspired by just like unstable women. And the next impression that I definitely am going to do that I've been wanting to do for a while is like a Jen Psaki. And I was just like, oh, do I have to buy another wig? And now I realize like, yes, no, I do. Um, I just don't know. I just don't know. There's like there's just it's no way for me to make my hair look. It's just it's not. Way yeah, too I just much, have to buy yeah. And you're going to need a and, lot no. of like really white foundation and uh, fre- oh, freckles. Yeah, I'm going to have to do stuff. white face, which I'm not looking forward to, but it needs to be done because like nobody has put out uh, an impression of Saki yet. And she's not like, I'm going to have to write like a clever script because like she doesn't have any particularly interesting tics about her. But yeah, very much I'm inspired by like unstable women. You got to do and, the weird tongue uh, thing. She does have the, these ticks that everybody's been highlighting now. She does this like really strange tongue thing. I, I can't do it, uh, but I, I'll send you some of the videos. In bed? No, 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 babe. I know you're watching. I love you. Don't worry. I have to ask Mister Saki. You, you know that I don't like uh, Jen Saki at all. The the last one was way better. Uh, but uh, so oh, so, way better. Yeah, Kaylee. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. She was way better. Now she's got like her own show and all this shit she, on Fox. She's doing. Ah, oh, she's so successful now. She's doing big things. Big things. I saw that coming. I I doubt Jen will do much after uh, unless you know SNL wants to pick her up. 
Uh, no, I could see her like working at a TJ Maxx, honestly. <laughs> at least the Marshalls, I, I'd imagine. But uh, mm-hmm. she she does yeah. this really weird tongue, like it almost looks like she's eating like a le- like a piece of lemon or something. I don't know what the fuck is going on with her, but uh, it, maybe yeah, her skin suit falling bit, off. I don't know. Yeah, there's a little bit of mouth action there that I could look into. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so you're from New York. And that sucks uh, for the last year for, for comedians. <laughs> mm. uh, I, I don't know. I have never lived in New York, but I can imagine that the last year was really fucking hard with, you know, uh, a crime boss uh, uh, Cuomo as the as the. Uh, as, Ugh, uh, you yeah. Know. And how, I mean, how has that really affected your comedy over the last year? I talked to Robbie about it a little bit last night, although he lives in Connecticut now. I think he hightailed the fuck out of there uh, just like I did. I hightailed out of California last year to middle of the country um where there's no mountains or ocean or anything like that but Aww. yeah it's it's but there's a, corn and it's cheap as shit it is so cheaper like i'm like one Good. fifth yeah look at your beautiful set you're crushing it and, and i have seven kids and i can still afford you have like seven this. seven kids yeah yeah. Damn! Yeah. Somebody I, got that good sperm. <laughs> it's not. It's not all. It's not all. They're not all mine. We adopted two of them. Uh, two of them are my my fiance's. Uh, one of them's actually my granddaughter, who's new. I'm a I'm a 38 year old grandpa. Oh. Yeah. So you're a jilf. You're yeah. Yeah. yeah I guess. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I'm. I feel like I'm just kind of fat and out of shape and 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 work a lot and take care of a bunch of kids. But you know, maybe to I'm living somebody's dream. I'm sure. Uh, yeah, you're doing great. But how's how's it been? I mean, has it been has it been really fucked up for your? Comedy? I know you do a lot of shit online, so I mean, maybe that was good. Um, but yeah, I have always been. Well, that's the thing when you're kind of like a lefty comic in New York City. You're really the only places that you uh, like like performing in most of the country is is kind of beneath you. And I kind of snapped out of that mindset, like kind of years ago, like probably like 2017, 2018. Um, but still so many comics, like they can get by and like, think they have a career on literally like five to 10 minutes of stand up. Even now Netflix comedy central does these like 15 minute specials. It's like you could become a household name and not even be able to do 45 minutes to an hour of comedy, which is like your regular headlining set on the road. Uh, and I've been headlining for a couple of years now and I, I enjoy it so much. I love it. And it was kind of a fun slap in the face to see like all these woke comics, like in LA and New York, they think they're fucking hot shit because they will only perform in either of those cities or Brooklyn pandemic hits you know new york city and la are shut down and they stay the shutdown shut shut down for the longest meanwhile like the whole rest of the country is kind of you know they're kind of opened up you know definitely florida texas everywhere was opening up and and like la and new york weren't so these comics that like the whole performing in the rest of the country was beneath them it's like well now they don't have any work like now they're not working at all like i was amazed at how many comics were like oh yeah i haven't done a show in seven months and it's like what how uh i was back out doing backyard shows like just a couple months in i was like i can't like i'm gonna i can i don't know light my arm on fire if i can't this is your full-time this is your full-time job right i mean it's yeah yeah yeah. and it's like well yeah like you know you you do and then i started my podcast um on youtube in january so it's like you have and i and i do compound media um so it's like, you know, it, you, you cobble together a living through all these like different streams of income. But just for my own sanity, I couldn't handle not, you know, I would do like backyard friends, backyard shows for, for like no money just to get get your reps in. But I've uh, I've you know, and then I've, 
had this big tour um, last year scheduled. I did the one show in LA and then the rest of it was canceled. So scheduled another tour this year. So I've been really lucky to be like, just I'm, I'm doing more and more shows performing in more and more cities, um, like doing great. Like I am probably doing less spots in the city, but like, you know, I have a couple of rooms that like, okay, if I, if I'm in the city and I want to work stuff out, I know I can go to these few places and, uh, and get some time in. But you know, it's wild. Like I live up in Westchester. So it's like to, to, this is what I would think would be normal. I'd be like, okay, you travel into the city. It's an hour and a half. Like maybe do like one or two spots. That's maybe like what, 20 total minutes of stage time. And then you travel an hour and a half to get home. Sometimes more than that. If like the trains are slow. Um, whereas like since the pandemic or whatever, since I've, you know, gotten into YouTube more, you know, you do a few people's podcasts, like you kind of get reps in that way. You can make jokes. Um, it, it, you take out all your commute. You don't have to go into the city. You don't have to like walk past people like mixing up heroin and shooting it <laughs> into themselves. And I used to think that like not living in the city would be, would tank my career. And it's only been an asset because like you have space to have a studio. Um, you know, m most comics who live like definitely in New York city, it's like they have at least one or two, sometimes more roommates. And they, you don't have, you, maybe you have a corner of your, of your bedroom that you can maybe, um, do a podcast from. But I, I really felt for a lot of these comics in New York city over the last year and a half, it's like, they just had nowhere to go. And, uh, you know, they weren't like getting out of their houses. It's like, I was, I was really grateful to be out of the city, like be before the pandemic. Cause I was like, yeah, I can, to walk around like go do hikes go to parks and stuff um so what used to be it used to be like a horrible idea that you would live outside of a, a city a major comedy city there's no way you could have a thriving career now it's kind of like it's become an asset like you know you you could have like you could go viral on tiktok and live in like freaking iowa <laughs> hey i almost did when the so when the when this thing started i i left california and came to iowa and there was like a month and a half where i didn't have a job and i started to tiktok like all the other people that are in their late 30s because <laughs> we were all fucking bored and not working and uh i got to like 5500 followers on tiktok and i'm like yo am i get am i gonna get famous and that's where it stopped it just stopped right there it like ended it was dead but i was like just, as soon as you said it yeah, yeah i was like yeah stop. here we go uh -huh. i'm gonna get famous on tiktok oh they don't have any fucking you know that you don't nobody gets paid on tiktok at all it's not like vine i actually had a pretty big vine uh, back when Logan Paul was like smaller and I had a vine that was doing really good. And then I went to sleep one night and woke up the next day and vine was gone. And I'm like, you gotta be fucking kidding me. Oh, it no. took the shit from me. Uh, I was like, okay, well, I'll start a YouTube, I guess someday. I don't know. We'll see what happens. Uh, but, uh, yeah, they should do a documentary on like viners. Like I was into a couple and it's like where a lot of them just kind of disappeared. Yeah, they were funny. A lot like, of them I was really into this viner called marlo meekins she just would do really funny stuff with her dog like floating through the air she was like a kooky very cool lady and like i don't know what she's doing now uh a lot of people in the chat are asking if you knew mitchy shore no that was like before my time like i i mean i think the the first time i really was at the comedy store was last march and i had a couple shows there and i hadn't uh, I had been to L.A. one other time, like in 2017, just to shoot a couple episodes of the show Punchline that was on Fox. But that was like in and out, you know, in a, in like two or three days. Like I didn't have time to like go around and do shows. Sure. That, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, Offer Nave, thanks for the uh, for the $5 super chat. He said, Chrissy's in my comedy shows, politics shows, liberty shows, geek culture shows, even flirting with Mahler. All she's missing now is red letter media. 
No, I don't know. I hope that's a compliment. I don't know. I don't <laughs> know. Like, Get out of here. <laughs> she's like, you're fucking. She's 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 just everywhere, everywhere. That you, yeah, it's a. I think it's a good thing. Um, yeah, you know, I, I know. It makes me want to like, okay, like try to change up the story a little bit, like the origin story. Like a few things are going to be the same, but I'm like, okay, what are some other details I can throw in? Depend, depending on where you're at, I guess on what what show you're at. Um, you know, if if you go to if you go to like some left, if if Jimmy Dore ever has you has you on, don't be like, yo, I was at the insurrection. Everyone there was hella cool. He might get a little upset. You know what I mean? Everyone was cool, though. <laughs> yeah. I did not meet a single uncool person there. I did not meet an angry person. I met nobody with a weapon, nobody with an agenda. So, well, sure. Know. If everybody had weapons, uh, you know, the, the FBI wouldn't be looking for everybody right now. Yeah. You know. Big old false flag. Yeah. I, I do want to meet the little granny lady that was inside the Capitol with her little American flag, though. Like, I really want to yes. meet her. I never saw her. I never saw a Viking guy. I never saw a podium guy. Like, all these. You know, how many, all these people got so much airtime. How many feds did you identify? Could you could you identify any feds? Well, the, where I was again was like the really chill, peaceful area. I didn't see anything too kooky going on. But the, I I talked to a few other like independent journalists that were like, yeah, we saw some people that were like, you know, dressed up like they were trying to be like Trump supporters, but they also looked like Antifa. They were also dressed kind of like Antifa. Um, yeah, I heard the skinny a lot jeans of gives it away every time. The really skinny black jeans, like skin tight. Yeah, those are the ones. Those are the ones. We know that's you. We can tell. Uh, you still smell. You still smell like your cappuccinos. We get it. Um, let's see. Uh, I just saw something else in the chat that somebody wanted to ask you. The people in the chat usually ask questions. A lot of super chats. Hi, usually. chat. I'm looking at the chat. Yeah, they're pretty cool. Um, yeah, whatever. Who cares? Ah. Uh, <laughs> I do love my ch- I do love my the people who hang out in the chat are really cool. I do have I do have some really good followers. I did have you have a great chat. Yeah, I, ha- yeah. I had a I had a, a a lady who was part of the walk away movement, um, Carlin Borisenko on recently. Who's oh you know who yeah, she, she's like super anti CRT, but she's uh, insistent that it's not an anti white movement. And if you use it as an anti white movement, it's going to give credibility to the white supremacist movements that are trying to hijack it and man my chat got just that's destroyed. interesting so what does she so she doesn't think it's an anti-white movement she thinks it's she thinks it's a, a, a completely racist across the board to to black people okay people, to everybody which, which I, okay. I understood like you know they're basically on one hand telling white kids like okay listen you're white uh you're a racist and they're telling black kids listen you're black and you're never gonna make anything in your life because of the race and you're factors. hopeless yeah right. don't ever have a hope in your life yeah, yeah it's like the bigotry of low expectation right like like yeah. you're you're in it's, it's so funny with the left because there it's i always call it this like uh uh admission through projection right that's literally what they're doing all the time they're constantly i got i woke up this morning uh, i had that show with robbie bernstein last night I think I said something to somebody that was talking about vaccines on Twitter, and then I woke up this morning to a, a message from a they them that was like, "You're a Nazi bitch," and then I was blocked, and I was like, "What? The, I'm fucking first of all, first of all, I'm half Israeli, you piece of shit. Like, how do you, how do you, you know? They're always called like Dave Smith a, a Nazi and is like Jew, right? It's wild. Yeah, it's, well, somebody somebody <laughs> messaged my boyfriend the other day calling him uh, a Jewish slur lover, and I was like, I'm not even Jewish, like. I don't know. People are wild. Yeah, it just doesn't make any damn sense to me. Every time I get called a Nazi, I'm like, 
First, I'm like a, I'm a libertarian. How uncreative, yeah. first of all. So Like, that's the best you can do. And, and I'm like, I'm a libertarian. I'm, I'm not even like a really, I mean, I'm kind of conservative, I guess. But uh, it, in my personal life, I think people should be able to do whatever the fuck they want. I don't care as long as they're not hurting yes, anybody. Yes, so you're like a regular person. Yeah, yeah. I'm like a regular libertarian. I'm not, I'm not like, yo, we need to nationalize all the, like, people don't understand that Nazism is not just a, it's not like a philosophy. It was a fucking political party. It was national socialism. And they nationalized all the industry. This furthest, like the furthest thing away from what I believe in. You know what I mean? Like an absolute, absolute other side of what I believe in. So every time someone calls me a Nazi, I'm just like, oh, okay, whatever you say. But uh, um, they they want to know in the chat if you were ever visited by the FBI for the for being at January. 6th. No, and I'm upset. I'm upset about it because you know the the they're supposedly spying on everybody. I I mean, uh, if the FBI wanted to come to some comedy shows, I would happily give them some comps. I would like for them to sit in the front row so I could crowd work them. You know, I'm just I'm just waiting. You know what I mean? Like I'm here. I'm here, FBI. So well, I don't know. Here's here's the hoping. I uh, I will I will cross my fingers and say a prayer that the FBI jo- uh, comes and investigates you soon. Yeah, so my you- nudes are in the cloud. You know where to find them, guys. <laughs> there's a there's a whole Facebook uh, or a whole Twitter page dedicated to your boobs. By the way, did you are you aware of this? What is yes, going on I'm there? Aware. Why is that? I a don't thing? know who they are. People think it's me, and I was like, I I'm flattered that you think I have the time to like run my own fan account. Uh, yeah, they're. They've got like a decent following now, but thank God, like my boobs, like I kind of agree with them. You know, I was like, I don't know if one boob is going to lean left, one boob is going to lean right, but they're both sort of, you know, in the middle in a common sense way. I'm like, all right, you know, I'll retweet my own boobs. I'm not above it. That's hilarious. Uh, So uh, let's talk about sexism and comedy. Is that, is that, is that something that you've encountered a lot? I mean, you know, people are always talking about this, like sexism is a big part of the, the, you know, comedy community. I mean, is that something that you've encountered quite a bit? No. Um, I, no, I think no. I, if you're, if you're like a woman who doesn't look like a garbage bag, like you're, you're, you're probably going to get hit on whether you're at work or not. And, And to like cry victim because maybe you do get hit on at work or it's just like if you're a sexy person or someone finds you sexy, like it's good to enter into the equation, whether you're in comedy, whether you work at a fucking bank, whether you work at McDonald's, like um, and and sometimes a customer will compliment you. Sometimes your boss. It's like you just it's human nature. And like and, and guys are sort of like basic in the sense that like, yeah, sometimes it'll happen. But it's like I feel like it's on the the woman to be like the gatekeeper of that attention you know what i mean like when you walk around and just okay like I'm, I'm like okay i'm like not an ugly chick right so it's like i have to navigate my life kind of just like not crying victim but like okay like knowing that this is a real thing and and like kind of adjust accordingly right like if maybe somebody in your workplace is hitting on you okay you pull back it's like it's your job to like keep keep course you know what i mean um but if you take advantage of of somebody maybe being attracted to you like to get ahead all right maybe that works in your favor but like i think i'm just speaking generally like it's it's so hard to take your like to just like operate in a vacuum like yeah it's gonna happen like people are gonna find you attractive and hit on you but like 
that that and maybe that's the reason you get on a bar show one day but maybe it's it's another reason why you get banned from a club because you start dating a guy that the club owner used to date and she's full of jealousy and rage and even though it's like it it makes no sense and you shouldn't have been banned which is a real thing that happened to me um it, that's that's just the breaks you know what i mean like you're gonna uh, things are going to happen to you either way. It's like people are like, oh, what is it like being a woman in comedy? It's like, I don't know. I don't know what else to compare it to. It's just like this is the only path I've I've gone down. And and so it's just becoming aware like, yeah, things will unfairly happen to you being like a, a chick in comedy, like a cute chick in comedy. And and maybe you might get a couple th- things to help you out. But like every every group has got their privilege, right? Like. There's black privilege, there's Asian privilege, there's guy privilege, there's girl privilege. Um, and at the end of the day, like your merit is going to is going to take you is going to take you the rest of the way. Like, OK, like if you suck, like you're only going to, I think, get so far if you're not willing to like work on yourself. Right. Um, so it's like, yeah, has I would be lying if I would say like eh, nobody that. Oh, you're freezing up a little bit. Can you hear me? I'm losing you. <laughs> uh oh. Shouldn't he's in a position of authority? Sorry. It's like your you job to you kind of like really navigate bad. away from it. You're cutting out bad okay. at the end there. I just want. Hey, I, oh, sorry. If, I don't what was the last it, thing you heard? Uh, I don't know. I I, I think you got to. I, <laughs> I don't know. I stopped listening. <laughs> no, I was listening. I was listening. I was like trying to make out what you were saying, and so I'm like trying to piece it all together. Uh, but you you kind of you stopped with I don't know, and then it just started cutting out. So. Okay. Uh, yeah, like sexism, it's it's hard. Like, what is sexism? Like, uh, every group, any person, any group might get something because of who they are or what they look like or who they're friends with. Just like you might not get something because of who you are or what you look like or who you're friends with. I get I get a lot of nothing because of what I look like. So I get I totally understand. It. But you haven't had any like Louis C.K.'s asking if they could jerk off into a house plant consensually in front of you or anything like that, huh? No, God, of course not. I don't know. I feel like I'm doing all the right things. <laughs> listen, listen, if Louis C.K. wanted to jerk off into a house plan in front of me, I'd be like, fuck it, go ahead, bud. I don't care. Have fun. Have at it. Why not? It's Louis C.K. Yeah. <laughs> but Some anyway. people will hate. There, there's a group of people, like, you're just not, like, accept that you're not going to make everybody happy, whether that is audience members, bookers, other comedians. Like, you're going to be sometimes hated undeservingly. There are some guys who just would never, they just don't like a female comic. They, they just have that old school mentality. They won't even give you a chance. And I have to, like, accept that that is a thing. Uh, then, then there, of course, are some women that, like, only like you because you're a female. Uh, and maybe they wouldn't give, like, a, a straight guy a chance um so just knowing that like if this is the course that you're picking like just like any path in life like know what you're what you can take advantage of and know what you need to work on and just at the end of the day like if you're talented and you work hard and you're like meant to do this like then then a sort of path will open up for you sure yeah absolutely uh so we're getting really close to the end of the the public stream we'll have this little private quick stream uh for the members only after that but can you uh what, what, what do you got coming up next where, where are you go- i know you're going on tour soon right oh yeah yeah uh okay so august 12th i'll be at bird and betty's in beach haven new jersey i think that's right on the jersey shore there and then i'm heading to new orleans august 13th and 14th i'll be at the comedy house out there in new orleans and then uh heading to las vegas with comedians of the compound september 10th and 11th 
And then I'll be heading to Texas, headlining Hyenas in Dallas, September 17th and 18th. Uh, And then after that, I think I will be back in Jersey for a Comedians of the Compound gig October 16th. And then just booked some gigs in Santa Monica at the Broadway Comedy Club West, October 22nd and 23rd. All these links should be on my website, chrissymayer.com. Uh, yeah, and check out the Chrissy Mayer podcast. Yeah, what's check the YouTube? Out... What's the YouTube channel? It's just Chrissy Mayer. Oh yeah, Mayer. Right? Just Chrissy Mayer. Just yeah. my name, C H R I S S I E M A Y R. Not Meyer. Do tons of not Meyer. Yeah. That's okay. Uh, <laughs> tons of interviews with everybody from like libertarians to porn stars to Roger Stone. So like, you can probably find somebody on there that you find interesting. Nice. Yeah. You just, uh, you just interviewed Brandy love. Let's talk about that in the, in the, uh, in the, in the private stream and Ooh, see, yeah. see if we can, we can talk about this porn star interview. Um, also, uh, P Nord 87. Thanks for the, the $5 super chat. He said, wildest story from any of the comedians of the compound shows there. We'll, we'll end with that. Oh my God. Oh my God. I mean like, so many. yeah, there's good. Just, there's so many, there was a funny, <laughs> Time. I think we were driving back from uh, the show in Rutherford, PA. Uh, Ehrenberg was driving. Gino was in shotgun. I was in the back, and and uh, we were dr- we were driving back, and like Gino was so fucking drunk that he and he's such a professional drunk that he was like having like a, a perfectly like clear conversation. Then then he'd be like, Whoa! and he would literally like like this is the car and he, he would take his body like all the way out of the car like throw up you know <laughs> aggressively and then like whoop like just sit back in like where was i and it was just um i was really impressed actually with his abilities because he he had to stick his body so far out of the car that it wasn't gonna get any puke like on aaron's car uh so it was just really just really wild you know like like fans hooking up with comics that that sort of thing you know seeing people canoodling a lot of the times usually the funnest the most fun stories are just like yeah we make friends with the bartenders uh like like i remember like we're at the claridge in atlantic city and um just like making fun people make make friends with the uber drivers and then like the get the bartenders to like stay up late night i mean there's there's probably a lot that i don't see because um like I, I will just tend to go back to the hotel. Like, sure, sure. Not right after the show, but like I'm also. That's the thing is like when you're not always looking for dick, like your life changes so much. Yeah, I wouldn't know. I've never, I never spent any time looking for dick. Thankfully, it has not been a a priority to me. Uh, dick just finds you. It just finds me. It. it just falls out of the sky. You know, it's it's pretty cool. <laughs> but anyways, uh, Chrissy, I really appreciate you coming on. You're hilarious. Uh, I hope everyone will go and follow you and come and see you on your tour dates. And if you're in Dallas, you should check out Eric July. See if you can get on his show. That's a fun show to be on too. Oh, I love he, Eric. Eric's yeah, great. that's a good idea. He lives in Dallas, so. Um, I, I, he is MIA for me right now. I keep trying to get him to come on, but one of these days, my friend Eric July is going to be on the show, but, he's uh, a busy boy, he's yeah. very, he's a very busy guy between the bands and the show. And he's like part of blaze now or something blaze media. Oh yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Pretty wild stuff. But, uh, I really appreciate you. Uh, stick around for just a couple minutes and I'll get you in that private stream and, uh, all our members 